welcome to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast, where we talk about leading your church and leading your team in biblically formed worship. What is up, worship leaders? My name is Dalton Schaefer. Welcome to the channel Spirit Truth. I'm on with a guest today, Jared Foreman from Austin Stone Worship. What's up, man? What's up? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me today. Appreciate yeah, man, it. Excited, excited to talk to you again. Uh, this conversation is really the product of a phone call that we had several months ago talking about development and some of y'all's residency program at the Austin Stone. I've been really impacted personally by a lot of the material that you guys put out in the teaching around worship leading that's come out of the Stone. Uh, but we wanted to talk today about uh, developing worship teams and worship leaders. Uh, but I just want to start, uh, Jared, tell us a little bit about how you got connected at the Austin Stone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll try to do the, the short version of this. Uh, I graduated from Belmont in 2006 with a music degree and uh, was really kind of wrestling with the Lord about what was next for me. And uh, I felt like the Lord was calling me into ministry. And at the time, you know, I'm originally from Texas. And so I was living in Nashville at the time. And really the only thing I knew to do as far as next steps was to go to seminary. Um, so the only seminary I knew of was at, uh, Southwestern in Fort Worth. And so moved back to Texas that summer, um, started going to seminary, getting a master's degree in music and, uh, really had no idea uh, about what it meant to lead worship or to yeah. do that, uh, full time as a, as a career I'd grown up in the church. And so my only context for a worship leader was, you know, the, uh, the, uh, minister music who was up at the podium, like waving his arms, you know, during music. <laughs> yeah, totally. I don't know that I want to do that. You know, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't seem like me. Um, I had, uh, you know, in Nashville, I was connected to some really cool songwriters and uh, played the guitar and piano. And I'm like, I want to use my gifts somehow to serve the church in that way. And so yeah. started going to seminary, started serving at a church part-time, knew absolutely nothing had no idea what i was doing i had to go to another friend of mine to help me plan like my first service because i'm like i know how to sing these songs but i don't know how to put them all together um and so that that for me began this journey of just being a worship leader and learning what that meant um and at the time it was more you know learning by doing i never really had anybody who kind of took me under their wing to show me things i would just observe and uh, watch what people were doing I met my wife in 2009, and at the time, she was a covenant member at the Village Church up in Dallas. And so I would go with her on Saturday nights to service, and that's where um, I met Michael Bleeker, and uh, he and I became really good friends. He was the worship pastor of the Village at the time. And um, man, honestly, a lot of my development as a worship leader was watching him and seeing what he does. And Oh, that's pretty cool how he put that song together with this one. And, you know, what, capo, you know, he's, he's capoing on this fret on this song. Why is he doing that? You know, and mm-hmm. it was really just learning by observing. And, um, and so that's kind of what I did for a few years. I had my first full-time uh, worship pastor position in 2009 at a church out in Alito, which is out West of Fort Worth. And that was a really sweet church for us. And, Spent four years there, and then God moved us to another church east of Dallas uh, for a couple years. And that season was really difficult for me and my wife. Um, it was a hard season; it felt like a desert season kind of thing. And yeah. um, it was in that season that my wife and I really began to wrestle with: like, is ministry going to be a long-term calling for me? Is this really what the Lord has? And 
by that time I'd kind of known about Austin Stone Worship. They put out their first album. I knew, um, you know, I knew a couple of the guys on staff had become acquaintances and all that. Um, but really, you know, I wasn't really, really connected with them um, a whole lot. And then um, it was around 2015 that my wife and I just sensed that a new season was was coming and we didn't know what it was. And I tell the story all the time, but I was um, we had two kids at the time and my youngest son. I remember rocking him one night to sleep and I was, you know, scrolling through Twitter like uh, like a good dad does you know, while he's rocking his kid. Yeah. I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw Austin Stone Worship had posted um about residency. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Um, so I told my wife about it and my wife is very much like, let's jump in, let's do it. And I'm like, no way. I've been in ministry (laughs) almost 10 years at this point. Um, full-time ministry to me, it felt like doing residency was something like, I'm going to take a step back for a season. You know, I was in my early thirties, had two kids, the thought of moving from Dallas to Austin, scared me, you know, like, and residency support race. So I would have had the support race for two years and it was very scary. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do that, but lo and behold, we came to Austin. We met with um, some of the pastors here, met with Chris Collins, who would eventually be my supervisor uh, at the Austin stone. And uh, we launched into this journey of, of going into residency in summer of 2015, moved our whole family to Austin support raised scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Support raising for two years because you're really just trusting the Lord with everything. But it's also the most exciting season yeah. ever because yeah. literally everything just comes from the Lord. You're seeing him move in ways that you hadn't before, leaving a comfortable job, a full time position with great benefits to something that's really unknown. And we're, we headed into the season of residency with like, Lord, do what you want. You know, we're, we're really trying to see if if you're continuing to call us into ministry and we don't know what's after residency, we're just kind of going into this with faith. And so we moved to Austin um, and that began the the best two years of residency. It was an incredible season for us. It was a lot of healing that took place. And it was in that season that God really just reminded me that this is what I have for you. This is what I'm calling you to. And, um, you know, he's continued to call me into ministry. I feel like ever since. And so, um, but one thing I want to mention too is Chris Collins was my supervisor and he was really the first one to kind of take me under his wing as a worship yeah. leader. And it was in that moment that I realized that I had been missing out the last nine or 10 years because I hadn't had anybody like, like really pouring into me and yeah. saying, this is why you do what you do, you know, yeah. and then, and then really discipling me too. Cause I was the majority of it for me was like education, seminary. And I mean, we can talk more in depth about seminary later, but I don't yeah, know that it's for everybody. I don't know that it's for totally every worship leader. You know, I have I have doubts as to whether I should have gone to seminary or not. I met my wife there, so I know it was worth it. The but was in it. Yes, that's right. Um, but also, like, there's nothing that can replace the one-on-one discipleship, somebody pouring into you directly, yes. development piece, you know, yes. and I've been missing that. And I finally got that when I got to the stone. And it wasn't just Chris, but it was also... Aaron Ivey and Marcus Dawes and Brett Land and Jimmy McNeil and all those guys who are, uh, we do the same things and, and they're my brothers now, but they like poured into me in ways that I've never experienced. So, yeah. and it was just the best season for me and my wife and my family. And then um, I got hired on full time in April of 2017 as one of the worship leaders. And um, because I had gone through this season of residency, um, they also wanted me to kind of oversee the the development program uh, within yeah. Austin Worship. And so, 
um, I get the best of both worlds. I get to lead worship every single week. Um, I'm the North Congregation worship leader at our at our church, which is in Round Rock, and um, and then I also get to pour into residents, which is really cool to see it yeah. kind of flipped because I was poured into for a couple years, and now I get to I saw the benefit of what it was, and so I'm super passionate about raising up the next generation of worship leaders and being able to pour yeah. in. So that's kind of my story as a whole. Uh, we love Austin. Austin is where we feel uh, called to be. And the stone is where we feel called to be. And I tell worship leaders all the time when they're, when they're looking for a church uh, to be at, you want to go to a church that you would go to if you weren't on staff, if you weren't leading yeah. worship. And that's, that's the case with the, with the stone. I mean, if we, as we came to the end of the season of residency, um, you know, I was like, I don't know where God's going to send us, but we feel called to be at the stone and we feel like yeah. call it the stone. Sorry. I keep no, calling good, it that, yeah. but, um, but yeah, that's, uh, it's where we feel called to be and we feel God continuing to call us into ministry. So that's a story in a nutshell about how we, love it. How we got here. No, it's powerful. I love seeing that one, just you, you see worship leaders leading well like Michael Bleeker. I remember seeing yeah. him lead at a doxology theology conference, yeah. just one of the sessions. And I, that moment marked my leadership moving forward. Yeah. The way that he used the scriptures in yeah. his leading has yeah. changed the way that I lead worship. And so Absolutely. you see great leaders lead, and then you, you put yourself in the place to be mentored and encouraged, like at a residency program, like you guys do. And so I would say, yeah, what are some of the big, um, when you think about the most, in, in, you know, why it's important to be uh, discipled and to do development, to be developed, uh, what are what are some of the big things that come to mind for why it's important? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can start theologically, like you think about the disciples and you think about Jesus and he, he poured into the 12, but he also had mm-hmm. three, like Peter, James, and John, who he poured into more specifically. Yeah. And, um, and then you look at their life after the resurrection. And I mean, they were, they just shared the gospel everywhere. You know what I mean? They went to the ends of the earth. And so I think that was the work of, of Jesus, like really pouring into them and, and uh, discipling them. And so, I mean, I think it works the same way. I mean, I think, I think that one-on-one discipleship that I received from, from Chris during residency was super important, not only because he would give me feedback anytime I led worship, I mean, it, it did not fail. Anytime I led worship, he'd pull me aside afterwards and he'd be like, hey, you did great on these things, but here's some things I need you to you know, to work on. Yeah. And I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Like nobody has ever told me that, you know? Yeah. And so for me, the feedback piece was really huge. And I mean, we can we can talk more about that in depth because I think I think feedback is the absolute best way to uh, to develop someone is by, okay. yeah. uh, by receiving feedback. So yeah. Um, as somebody who is developing, like you need to be able to give feedback to that person, but also as, as a worship leader in your church, you all, you also need to be open to receiving feedback at any time, always. And then the other thing that I, that I got from Chris that was really helpful was just proximity to him. You know, like I, my wife and I were always at their house. Like we saw how they lived their life. Yeah. And I think about that in context of the disciples, Jesus, like they were always with him. They observed everything that he did. Yeah. And uh, so another piece that we talk about a lot within our development program is proximity is influence. Like to have any influence over the people you lead, you have to have proximity to them. Yeah. And not yeah. just like on Sundays, not just through planning center emails, not just through all these things, but, but actually like in their life, like you need to be able to go and sit and have coffee and, 
and talk about what's going on in their life. You know, you yeah. need to be their friend. And so I think that's one piece that we as worship leaders can miss sometimes in the people we're developing. It's not just Sundays or even weekly rehearsals. Like you need to have proximity to the people. You know, if so some, good. we get mad sometimes when, you know, people decline our planning center emails and we wonder why they're not faithful or why they're not showing up. But man, a lot of the time we're not diving into their stories and understanding why, yeah. you know, yeah. what is it, what's going on in their life. Um, and so man, proximity is influence is, is a huge thing to have any influence over the people you're developing. You have to have, you have to be around them, you have to have proximity. Yeah. To them. Dude, so, that is, yeah. that is so good. If you're watching this, you need to write that down. <laughs> that is so good. Um, man, if there's a worship leader watching this right now and he's thinking, okay, why would I want to develop my team? What What would you say to that person? I would say, I mean, pretty practically, you, you need to realize that you're not going to be in that position forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would like to say that I'd be leading worship into my 50s and 60s, but I don't know. I might not be, you know? And so like God is the church is going to keep going. The church is like God's glory is still going to exist through the church. And so we yep. need to be raising up the next generation of worship leaders who will yep. come behind us and, and help lead. And, uh, and honestly, like in us developing people, we're kind of taking more and more of a backseat of like, I'm going to delegate these things that I see as most important and, and give you the chance to, to be developed. You know what I mean? Yep. And so I think, and I'm like this because I'm very type A, you know, I don't there. I will admit that I don't delegate things very well because I want to yeah. hold on to them. And like, I'm going to plan things and it's going to be like this and and uh, I'm not going to delegate. But that's not really leadership. And I've had to really press into myself yeah. on those areas. Like we need to be the best delegators as worship leaders, you know, delegate the things that yeah. are most important, because ultimately those things are what is going to help other people flourish in their in their leadership. If if Chris yeah. Collins wouldn't have given me things to both achieve and to, and to fail at, honestly, because residency yeah. was all about like, I'm going to give you stuff and you're going to fail at it, but that's yeah. a good chance for you to grow yeah, and for totally. you to get feedback on it. And so there might be a little nugget in there, like give, give things to people that you know that they could probably fail at, but that also you have the chance to kind of pastor them and give them feedback and they're going to grow from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... I think, I think development has to happen because ultimately you're going to be, you're not going to be in that position forever and you need people to come behind you. And man, also, I think too, like, I think sometimes worship leaders, when we're looking for people to hire in positions or bringing people in, I think, I think it's too easy to look outside, you know, instead of the yeah. people who are right there in front of you in your ministry, yeah. who are, who are already bought into the vision and ministry yes. yeah, of totally. your church. You know what I mean? Like, and it's hard work. It's much easier to, to look on the outside and be like, I need to hire a worship leader. Whereas, you know, there might be somebody right under your nose who you've been discipling for two years, who has the skills, who, who God may be calling into ministry, who you can ask to kind of step up into that role. And so that's, that's one of the things that I've learned a lot at the stone and, you know, our residency program, it's, it's, you know, 10 years old now, it's gone through a lot of iterations, you know, and I know a lot of people in this video will watch this and be like, well, I need to start a residency program and, and do all these things. And, and I kind of want to caution people against that. It's, you don't necessarily need to start a program. You need to just start with a person. Like yep. there is somebody right now 
who is in your ministry, whether they're a guitar player or maybe they serve in kids or whatever it may be, who is looking for someone to develop them. And you yeah. just need to be open to whoever that might be, you know? And yeah. I mean, you can look to places like, like we've learned a lot over the years and we love resourcing worship leaders to develop the people in their context, you know, but yeah. a lot of times, man, when, when people are looking for someone to develop, you don't necessarily need to bring in all these people from other places. Like who are the people right there in front of you? Yeah. Who are the people you have proximity to already yep. that you can develop? So, yeah, I remember at my last church, there's a 13 year old kid who came up to me, real high pitched voice, real young. He went, Hey, I, I play the bass. Can I join the worship team? Yeah. And at this point I was in college and had just started leading a college ministry worship team and, you know, was helping in, on Sundays and different things. And I just remember asking, him, was like, do you read the Bible? Yeah. And his, and his response was not really. <laughs> and, and I said, Hey, would you meet me on Sundays? like yeah. at seven o'clock in the morning before rehearsal starts and yeah. we could just hang out for 30 minutes to read the Bible. And he said, yes. Yeah. Five years later, yeah. that guy, he's 18 now. He's, he's the one of the best keyboard players I know. Wow. An incredibly gifted worship leader and singer. Yeah. And, and I got to, I mean, we're still super good friends. His name's a shout out to William Crockett. Uh, William Crockett. Friends. And you can go, you can go find him on a Spotify under Douglas. He's actually a, a really good a really good songwriter like cool. i'm okay. he's like so gifted and and he's like releasing music he, he writes secular music and but will yeah. share the gospel in his songs like really is intentional in his shows about sharing the gospel leads yeah. worship at another church to uh help serve there but so gifted but it was a young guy easily yeah. could have been overlooked <clears throat> did not have at the time a lot of musical talent but was willing to show up and read yeah. the bible and was willing to be developed Absolutely. And over the course of, of five years, he ended up traveling like at 14. He was in my band traveling around with a bunch of college students wow. leading worship. That's cool. And it, it was cool to see how the Lord developed that. And, and yeah. you really used him in a lot of ways to stir my own heart towards development and, and seeing what people can be, not just where they are now. Because you want to look at someone and say, okay, well, right now you're not like the best worship leader in the world. You can't sing. You, you only play bass. But if you want to keep showing up week after week, I know what you could become. And Absolutely. that's, that's a beautiful thing to be able to see that in people and call it up in them. Absolutely, and so, man, man I, I love huge. seeing that. Just seeing yeah. potential. I tell this story a lot, but Jaleesa McCreary, who is one of our worship leaders, yeah, um, she started serving our church in kids ministry. Like she yeah. was just singing in kids ministry. And I think uh, one of the worship leaders, I don't remember if it was Aaron or not, but he was like, man, this girl has some potential. And so she moved from kids ministry up to students ministry where she started leading with a band. And I mean, people started to take notice because she was just, she was faithful in the little things. You know what I mean? It wasn't for her. Like, like she's an incredible singer, like one of the best vocalists ever, you know, but it, for her, it wasn't like, I'm going to be up on that main stage. No, she just wanted to serve her church. You know, she just yeah. wanted to, to plug in. And it was, it was through that development program that she eventually like um, joined Aaron Ivy's band started leading downtown. And now she's one of our, full-time worship leaders with a band of her own that goes around the campuses, you know? Yeah. So you just, you never know, you know, you never know who is, who's there. Look at the people who are most faithful, I would say would be a, yeah. would be a good thing. We, we get people all the time who, and I'm sure, I'm sure you guys listening get this all the time too. People come up in your church and they're like, I play a certain instrument. Um, I do these things really well. Like, can I play on Sundays? Can I join the worship ministry? And I think the first response shouldn't necessarily be, 
sure. Like come, come join us at rehearsal, but it should be absolutely like come and help us set up the stage or come and help us roll cables or, or like you said, like, let's, let's get together and read the Bible. Like you need to, you need to test people's faithfulness early on and in the small things, because if they're not faithful in those little things, then they're not going to be faithful when you give them more. And I learned that like through my residency, I kind of saw it um, looking back on it. Chris would give me a little bit and then he would see that I'd, okay, you're doing that pretty well. Let's give you more. Let's give you more and more and more, give you more leadership. And so to have the best leaders in your ministry, like look for the people who are, who you have proximity to already, who are already bought in, but then also test their faithfulness early on. Totally. So if they can't show up early to set up a stage or do whatever you guys have going on, if they, if they're not faithful to set up pro presenter or do all these various things, then they're not going to be faithful to lead worship every week. Yeah. So, well, I think too, to keep in mind, um, for people listening, like developing people, it's not like it doesn't get you out of doing more work. I think a lot of people have this false dichotomy. It's like, oh, I'll get an intern and then they yeah. can do all the things I don't want to do. That's not really development. That is not. De- development doesn't make your job easier. What I have found is it makes your job much harder, but it it's does, totally man. worth it. It's totally it, is, worth it. it is so worth the extra effort and time and you'll right. see it pay off in discipleship and raising up leaders and seeing these people that over the course of years grow in their, not just their worship leading ability, but their ability to lead their families and be husbands and disciple makers and, you know, yeah. carrying the gospel with them wherever they go. And it's totally worth it. Uh, the extra time and effort it takes to do absolutely. that. Yeah. It's um, hard work. It's hard work, yeah, but it's worth it. Absolutely. All right. How do you balance between, uh, you know, putting the emphasis on character competency and theology how, how do you navigate that that what can be a challenge sometimes especially in, in the worship leader culture yeah man it's um are you talking about me specifically or or yeah you know, just your your or, thoughts on that yeah man i i think um i think they all have to be balanced really well because if you think about the life of the worship leader like we need to be the best theologians you know what i mean we're not yes. we're not just people who lead songs and yeah. i don't want to be that And you don't want to be that. I don't want to just go and sing a bunch of songs, but I want to, like, if, if we're singing that song, Holy is our God, I want to understand why we're singing that and where it comes from in scripture. Yes. Because then, I mean, the work of the Holy spirit, when you're leading and I mean, you've, you've probably had these moments, but the Holy spirit will just bring to mind certain scriptures or certain things that you need to say to people. And those things only come if you're in the word, if you're, like learning things. And so as a worship leader, I think it's easy sometimes to just kind of coast, you know, to just be like, Oh, I need to plan my set. You know, what songs work really well together, what keys work really well together. But, but really like sitting down with a liturgy and being like, how can I lead my people best to see God for who he really is based on, you know, what the sermon passage is that week. Um, Something that just came to mind, like we're going through the book of Matthew and we're, we're into some really like hard passages, you know, like last week was on the rich young ruler. And then this past Sunday was on, um, you know, the the, uh, first shall be last, last shall be first, that kind of thing. Um, Those songs, those, those passages don't really lend themselves to like great songs, you know, like rich young ruler. There's not a song that I'm like, Oh gosh, this this one's going to be a home run. (laughs) Yeah. You know, (laughs) passion hasn't released the rich young ruler song. Yeah, absolutely. But what, what it's, done for me is be like i need to get into the word what is the theme that god is is yeah. talking about here? and with the rich young ruler specifically it was like 
a spirit of, of surrender, really, you know, like, mm. where is our treasure? You know, those kinds of things. And without knowing theology, it would be really hard to plan a set that way, you know, because I, I just, I also like, um, I think it's so important that we marry the songs with the truth that's being preached on. You know what I mean? Yep, it's not our job just to plan songs um, separate from where the message is going. Like we need yep. to work really hard as worship leaders to marry those things together. Yep. So having good theology, always being a learner, you know, um, reading books, those kinds of things. Um, uh, we have a, a, a development program here at our church called uh, the Austin Stone Development Program, um, where it's real theology heavy. I mean, it's going through Wayne Grudem's systematic theology. And it's great. I, went, I went through it when I first got here, and I'm thinking about going through it again um, this coming year, just because it's it's like rich in theology. I mean, you're studying everything that you yeah. would on a seminary level, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's been really good. And I think as worship leaders, we need to be the best theologians to be able to yeah. connect the truth of the songs with truth of what we're hearing and then competency wise man um gosh i i don't ever want to be stagnant in my craft you know um so i i think every worship leader is different um but i'm always trying to challenge myself i play keys a lot but i'm trying to challenge myself with new sounds and and those kind of things and i lead from keys so i don't you know i don't get into the um software stuff a whole lot because i don't want to really be thinking about it yeah, I definitely want to challenge myself to um, to think of new sounds and to create new things and and to be real creative with, um, you know, all the things that I'm playing and stuff. And so there's a there's a keys player in one of our bands. His name's Chris Munoz, who um, is he plays like gospel stuff really well. And so him and I have talked about like getting together and him showing me some of his some of his chops, you know, because I really want to grow in that area, you know, and um, and be able to play those kind of things, you know, Um and then like during the week, I'll try to have some time to be creative, like whether that's writing songs or you know, crafting a melody or um, writing something. I don't know. Like there, there needs to be something in our week where we're able to just kind of um, sit and be creative and not have to be administrative yeah. at, at it, you know, just just sit and create the way that God's wired us to be. Yeah. So for me, man, um, I love listening to music. I'm a, I'm a huge um, hammock fan. I love listening to like instrumental kind of yeah, yeah. type stuff, you know, uh, explosions in the sky, those kind of bands. I'm really into like retro kind of music right now, like okay. um, FM 84 and um, those kind of, those kind of bands and stuff. And even the band that I travel with, we kind of have some of those sounds in it. And so yeah. man, just, just like listening to music outside of worship music is okay. You know, it's yeah, okay totally. to do that and just to kind of, kind of be poured into. I told my wife a couple, couple months ago, I was, I was really feeling like down and, and not creative. I, I told her I didn't feel like a very deep well. And mm. I know that in moments when I feel like that, it's because I'm not having enough things like fill me like input wise, you know, like I'm yeah. not reading enough or I'm not taking in enough to be able to pour out because as somebody in ministry, like, you know, how tiring it can be constantly pouring out, yeah. constantly yeah. pouring out. Um, and then the character piece for me is is um, proximity to our team because I'm really challenged and discipled by guys on our team. Um, I have a um, we call it uh, a, it's a little small group that we have that I that I meet with weekly that challenges me and calls me out on sin and is really my discipleship core. And so yeah. if you're listening to this and uh, you don't have that, man, I would encourage you to seek somebody out to like 
just disciple you, you know, as a Christian, like you need that in your life. And uh, the enemy is looking for any way to attack you, your marriage, your ministry, all that stuff. And so any way that you can safeguard against those things by having somebody disciple you and call out things and, and um, really speak into it is, is really helpful. So I would encourage you to have that. So that's the character piece for me and um, just proximity to our team. Our team does a really good job of like encouraging one another, speaking into things. And um, so, yeah. And uh, it, it fleshes us, it, it fleshes out in lots of different ways, but that that's the big one for me with character. Man, that's great. Uh, open question. Any closing thoughts when it comes to development before we go into some just fun little rapid fire questions? Uh, just any closing thoughts to encourage someone who's watching this who maybe wants to be developed or wants yeah. to start developing their team? Man, I, I would I would encourage anybody listening that really development is not an option. You know, it's not something that you're going to hear today and be like, oh, I need to, that's cool. That's a cool idea. But development's not, it's not an option. You know, like there are people, it's discipleship at its core, you know, it's called us to go and make disciples. And so why not start today? You know, I'm hoping that as people are watching this, they, they're already thinking of people in their ministry who they can go and, and pour into. You know what I mean? And so people in our church are looking uh, for someone to disciple them and to pour into them. And so yeah. whether whether it's through worship leading or just like reading the Bible together, like I think it's that important. And um, it's something that God calls us to, man. And then I'll hit on this, like I hit on this earlier, but just having a culture of feedback. If, if you as a worship leader are not receiving regular feedback on your worship leadership um, and not just like a, yeah, you did great. You know, that was awesome or something like that. But, but like real, like constructive, precise feedback, go and ask for it. Like ask your pastor every week, say every, every week on Monday morning, I'm going to ask you about specific things. And I want you to give me some encouragement. And I also want you to give me some things that you think I can grow in and be honest with me. Like I can take it. I trust in Jesus enough to, to know that I can, I can take it in that, he ultimately is my identity and my identity is not in my gifting, but I'm going to trust yeah. Jesus as you give me feedback. Yeah. And I, man, I never had that until I got to the stone. I went through 10 years of ministry, not having that where it was just like every Sunday was a pat on the back. And then I get here on, um, you know, at the stone and Chris Collins is saying, bro, you, you look over people's heads when you lead worship, you don't engage anybody with your eyes. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And as I did some soul searching, I was like, well, it's this approval of man kind of thing. If I looked at people in the eyes and they weren't singing, I would think that they thought I was a terrible worship leader, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like Chris's specific feedback kind of made me do some soul searching as to why I don't do those things. So yeah, giving and receiving feedback, it's huge. And then proximity, like have proximity to the people um, that you want to influence and develop. That's good. So good. All right, let's finish this out with just a couple of quick questions. You said you lead from keys. Yeah, man. So I'm going to ask two questions. What keyboard do you play? And when you play guitar, because you play guitar as well, what do you lead from on guitar? Man, uh, I just play a regular Nord stage um, keys. I mean, I'm I'm super simple. I mean, I'll have like a a piano patch. um, Sometimes I'll play an upright like piano patch on the Nord. um, And then I always have some sort of pad going. Um, our band is, and, and it fits our band really well. I mean, I would say too, just to encourage worship leaders, like you need, you need your sounds to kind of fit 
with what your band sounds like. It doesn't, yeah. you know, your, your, your Nord or whatever keys rig you have doesn't have to sound like Hillsong. It needs to sound like whatever is best for your band. Yep. And so my band, my guitar player, Jeremy is a, he's got a lot of sounds, a lot of like fills up a lot of space. And so I don't feel the need a lot of times to fill up a lot of space with my keys rig, you know? Yeah. Um, so I just play a regular old Nord weighted keys. It's, cool. it's great. I love it. Um, I could add like main stage and stuff, but I don't really feel the need to right now. Yeah. And then, man, I play a, just a Taylor 314. Uh, I've had that thing for 10 years, and I've tried other guitars, but um, that one I just come back to all the time. It's a great guitar. Love so Love it. All right. What's the uh, funniest thing or, like, mistake, something that's gone wrong while leading worship? <laughs> um, so this was let's see, six or seven years ago um, at the church up in Dallas. Um, we were singing the song Cornerstone. Um, and there's, so I guess the old hymn, um, the first line, uh, says, but holy, the holy trust in Jesus name. And there was another version of the song of that, of that verse that said, but holy lean on Jesus. Yep. name." Yep. So the lean and the trust dude in the middle of the worship set, this might've been like the first song we sang, dude. Uh, <laughs> but I sang it, uh, but holy lust in Jesus name. <laughs> I got the words confused. <laughs> <laughs> and dude i just lost it like right in the middle as soon as i as soon as i sang that i was like oh man it's over i lost it. <laughs> and so i just started dude. laughing and uh yep yeah, uh, that that's I hard to recover recover you know so. <laughs> man have you led that song since that's the question i have i have okay good but, uh, so you've recovered then i have recovered but it was, uh, it was terrifying you know how it is like when it first happens you just like inside you're oh my gosh yeah. i've just ruined everything for everybody so that was a funny Man, moment that is that's a good one uh what's your favorite worship song right now to lead on sundays oh man that is a good question um we haven't led it yet but this is one of my new favorite songs um i, got, I forget the artist the song is called make room the chorus goes, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you yep. want to. It's a really good song. Um, it's a girl, girl led song, but it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. Um, another song that's my favorite. Um, let's see. We, uh, we did in your presence yesterday. That's off the Austin stone worship record. It's a really yep. good. Song. If you're looking for new upbeat tunes, it's a good one. Touch of heaven is always a favorite for me. Yeah. It's kind of an older hill song. Yeah. Tune. Do you, do you have a version of that out on Spotify as well? I do. I do. And yeah. I'm not saying that just to plug it. But, <laughs> oh, but no, I, you're not, but I am. I really I'm saying do. that to plug it. Yes. I oh. really do love that song. Um, cool. And our, our church connects with it really, really well. So love it, man. Those are the ones that come to mind. Dude, there's so many songs right now. For sure. In my head. Um, All right. Two, two more, two more questions. What's your go-to order at a coffee shop slash best coffee shop in Austin. If, if you can even oh, answer man. that. <laughs> man, that is a good question. Uh, well, my go-to coffee, I'm a iced coffee drinker always, even cool. in, even in the winter time. So yeah, I'm either iced nice. coffee or iced Americano of some nice. sort. So I actually have one right here right now. That I'm drinking nice. at a local coffee shop in Taylor where I live. Um, oh man. Um, Let's see. Good coffee shops. Houndstooth um, is a good one. Um, 
there's one in Cedar Park that I love called uh, Redhorn. Go to a lot. Man, I feel like I'm missing so many. There's so much good coffee here. Um, I don't know. It'll pop out at me. That's good. Pop out. Those are the ones that come to mind. Right yeah. Now. I'm so. an Arkansas guy. So anything that, that sells Onyx is where you got to go in Arkansas. And so Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's the good stuff. Um, <laughs> and then last one is just one of your favorite Bible verses that's had a, a, an impact on your life over the, maybe, maybe the, your whole life or maybe as of more recently. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, honestly, Romans eight, one, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a period in my college years that were somewhat dark. And, um, and so just reflecting on that, on that verse, yeah. um, um, that there's really no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, that he doesn't just save us, but he also keeps us, you know, yeah. and, um, I just think there's something so beautiful in that. And um, I teach my kids that verse all the time. Like I'm asking my kids, what is Romans 8, 1? There's no condemnation. And um, just a beautiful verse, man. And I mean, obviously the whole Romans 8 passage is super powerful. Yeah. But yeah, that's man, good. Just, uh, yeah, I love that verse. Very so. cool, man. Well, yeah. hey, thank you so much for being Absolutely. on my channel, talking about development. Uh, if someone wants to follow you or connect with you more, yeah. Uh, where can they do that? Man, uh, so I'm on Instagram at, at Jared Foreman. My name's spelled kind of weird, so. We'll uh, link it below. Yeah, that's good, man. Um, I have a band. We're releasing new music uh, next Tuesday, so it's at Jared Music. Um, and then we have a website as well. And then you can follow any of our Austin Stone Worship resources. Um, like I said earlier, we love developing worship leaders. And, I mean, you guys feel free to reach out to me directly. Like, I'm an open book. Uh, you can email me at jared at austinstone.org if you guys want to reach me. So I love conversations about development and worship leading and all those kinds of things. So love yeah. talking about it. Love it. This uh, video will come out on Monday. So if you're watching this, his song comes out tomorrow. And so nice. go check that out. Um, Thanks for that. So yeah, very cool. And I'll link uh, Spotify, Instagram, all that stuff below. I'll link to Austin Stone Worship and their records. You led a song that we've been leading a lot, the How Marvelous. How Marvelous. Y'all's version yep. of that is mm. so good. I mean, it's Great. been a joy for our church to sing that version. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Spirit Truth Worship Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and also subscribe to the YouTube channel. And go ahead and give this podcast a rating in whatever podcast player you're listening to it in. And we'll catch you in the next episode.